The information provided in this program is of a general nature and is not intended to be personalized financial advice. We encourage you to seek appropriate advice from a qualified professional to suit your individual circumstances. Commercial property developers are trigger selling assets to pay down debilitating debt. How they're holding on by seeking offshore funding instead. So we've been managing our levels of debt through asset sales and through capital partnerships and through raising new capital. But at the end of the day, you know, when interest rates revert as fast as they have and when values come down, and we've seen, you know, in our business probably seven or eight percent reduction in values. Um, then you've got to stay in front of it. It's Friday the 1st of March. Interest rates are hurting anyone with a loan. And those who have the biggest mortgages of them all are commercial property developers. It's an industry built on debt, and they're being forced to sell assets to pay it down. It's the best new building to hit Auckland City. One Queen Street is 21 floors, home to thousands of workers and a five-star hotel. It's one of many top-tier developments Precinct is undertaking. It plans to build two new towers on top of this downtown car park next. But its debt bill is rising. It totaled $1.2 billion in July, with its average interest cost rising to 5.6% from 4%. To deal with its debt, Precinct has sold more than $700 million worth of assets, including this Bowen Street campus in Wellington, and this building in downtown Auckland. That seems to be the strategy right now. Almost all listed developers and large-scale property owners are selling millions in assets. Argosy just sold two properties for 20 mil purely to pay down debt. And Vital Healthcare, which develops hospitals, has recently sold 220 million worth. All of that has gone towards debt repayments. A solution could be capital partnering, something Precinct's chief executive Scott Pritchard is really keen on. In this interview, he reveals the measures it may have to take next. Scott, thank you so much for doing this. Good to see you as always. Thank you. Nice to be here. Let's talk about debt first. And I want to talk specifically about the selling of assets because it seems not just you, but many property developers are doing this. You sold 680 mil worth of assets last financial year, just sold the Mason Bros building for 50 mil. You yep. also raised 150 mil on the market too. Yes. Why are you doing it? Yeah, look, I think it's always a balance. Um, you know, for uh, for property owners and managers, uh, it's always good to enhance your returns to have some debt, um, but you've also got to be wary of not having too much debt. So, um, you know, we have a, a policy of having uh, no more than sort of 35 or 36% of our total assets uh, sourced from debt funding. Uh, and so as valuations decrease, uh, of course, you've got to try and manage your debt levels. And so we've been managing our levels of debt through asset sales and through capital partnerships and through raising new capital. So the pressure that the whole industry is under is actually from valuations coming down, not so much interest rates coming up. Would that be a correct assumption? Well, it's actually both. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, in some respects, your your uh, loan-to-value covenants are impacted by values decreasing. Um, but the other covenant that everyone's really focused on at the moment is interest uh, interest cover. So, um, uh, And that's impacted by rising interest rates. So it's a balance between all of these things. And ultimately, uh, you know, over the last, I guess, 12 to 18 months, we've been really active um, and you want to try and stay in front of these things. So knowing that interest rates are going higher and knowing that that'll have a corresponding impact on valuations means you sort of try and move in front of it. Uh, and so we've been really active in that, in that space. 
your average interest rate is around 5.3%, which isn't too bad. It's actually mm. below the OCR, which is pretty incredible. Don't know how you manage that one with your bank. Well mm. done. But what's your forecast for it? There's potential rate hikes, according to some economists this year, if that happens, or at least if they hold where they are for longer. Yeah. How much does that hurt you? I've never known a time in my career where everyone's so fo- focused on uh, monetary policy statements or inflation data. Like, it's just remarkable. And uh, to have a situation where you've got, um, you know, one bank saying two more rate hikes and you've got other banks saying the next move is going to be down um, uh, is quite remarkable. And it just really sheds a light on how uncertain times are. Um, for us, we're managing our cost of debt really, um, you know, with, with a great deal of detail. We've got a terrific uh, finance team and they're very focused on moves and swap rates. And so to the extent that we can, we'll sort of manage that position at every opportunity to keep our cost of debt down. So fair to say balance sheet management is like the biggest thing for any property developer right now. Absolutely. Um, I mean, you're, you're always focused on, uh, you know, your development opportunities. You're always focused on what you've got and managing your client base and your, uh, and your revenue streams. But at the end of the day, you know, when interest rates revert as fast as they have, and when values come down, and we've seen, you know, in our business, probably seven or eight percent reduction in values, um, then you've got to stay in front of it. What's happening on the valuation side? We all see what happens with interest rates, but we have less sight on what happens on valuations. We all know they came down quite sharply, sort of during the pandemic. Have mm-hmm. they found the bottom? Do you feel? Oh, look, I think uh, I think they're finding the bottom, and I think as interest rates start to plateau, um, so do valuations. And so, for our business, um, as I say, we're you know, we've seen a decrease in valuations of seven or eight percent. Um, there might be a little bit more to go, um, but you know, we're not seeing what happened in the in the GFC. You know, GFC we saw valuation declines of up to twenty five percent. This time round in this cycle was sort of, I think you'll see sort of up to ten, um, but hopefully no more than that. What are your conversations with the banks like? I understand a lot of it's confidential, but are they putting pressure on you, or are they? Impressed that you're managing this stuff. No, look, we've got really, really strong relationships with our with our uh, lenders, um, and we source debt funding from from banks, from the retail bond market, from US private placement market. Um, so the key is to have a really diverse source of funds uh, and to have a really laddered maturity profile, which which is they're all lessons that a lot of businesses learned out of the GFC, to be honest, uh, and we stick to those, and that's holding us in really good stead. I find USPP very interesting. I know this is a bit of a tangent, but Fletcher Building has a lot of USPP as well. Uh, Ryman just did that big capital raise around this time last year to pay down all of its USPP because it was getting so expensive. Why do you guys have it? It doesn't seem like a great idea. Well, the, the thing is with uh, USPP is that you can get 10 and 12-year terms, and you just can't get that in New Zealand. You don't get it from the banks, and you don't get it from the retail bond market. And so... We have really long dated assets uh, with with recurring revenue streams, and we have you know lease terms that are twenty years. And so, trying to match that with long term debt is a really good thing to do. Um, the key thing is to uh, look after those relationships, um, make sure you look after those investors because they're investors in the same way that we have equity investors, um, and also to have a diverse source of funds. That's the key thing. Don't be overexposed to any particular source of funding. Speaking of investors, I want to talk to you about capital partnering. Mm. It seems like this might be a solution to this high debt, low valuation situation at the moment. Obviously, cutting in interest rates would help you, but this seems like a bit of a measure that you're utilising at the moment. Explain it to me. How does it work? Uh, We made the decision in 2021 to move into this space, Um, not at all because we wanted to manage our, our, our level of debt or a way in which that you could offload assets. Um, capital partnering is about aligning yourself with other investors, investors that want to invest directly into the assets with you and those that are really aligned with you. Now, 
often um, and, and the Singaporean sovereign wealth fund is a great example. They've got a much lower cost of capital than us. Um, they've invested alongside us. And so we see them as a way in which uh, for us to um, invest in a broader range of opportunities. So if we're just investing for our own balance sheet, uh, then we can only do we can only do you know a small amount of things. Uh, if we get other sources of capital to invest alongside us, it means we can do more things and ultimately drive a higher return for our shareholders. So um, capital partnering is about and uh, you know attracting other investors to invest alongside us and giving them a really good investment return. And it allows you to think more long term on a development basis. Absolutely, and it allows you to look at more things. And now there's many opportunities out there, and quite often. You look at opportunities and you go, oh, gee, I wish I had another dollar that I could invest in it. So, it, yeah, this allows us to look at a wider range of things and also to provide good opportunities for those capital partners who invest with us. So other than the Singaporean Sovereign Wealth Fund, who else are these capital partners and, and, and what are they keen to invest in specifically? Um, look, we have a range. So we have, and, and it really, um, you know, at one end is the Singaporean Sovereign Wealth Fund. At, other, at, at the other end, we've got sort of private equity. Uh, we've got institutional capital and we've got high net worth uh, individuals. Are they coming to you or are you having to, to source them out and are they difficult to find at the moment? Look, it goes, it goes both ways. So we're certainly on a path at the moment to try and establish a lot of relationship with potential investors, direct investors that is. Um, they, what are they interested in? Well, I guess up until about a year ago, they were interested in core office, office assets with long-term leases. Um, but as we've seen interest rates rise and going to our earlier point, um, the, what that does is drive up their required returns. And so there's less demand at the moment for core office. Um, but what there is interest for is, you know, residential and living sectors. I mean, there's a lot of demand for that globally at the moment. And that's what you're about to do next door, right? Yeah, look, we're, we're interested in the space. And, you know, right now the residential market is not in a, in a particularly strong state, um, but we're taking a 10-year view. You know, we're seeing at a demographic level still high levels of immigration. Uh, we're seeing, you know, building consents come off quite materially. New Zealand has perennially underinvested in its housing. Um, we've had a housing shortage or a deficit for a very long time. And what we haven't done particularly well at scale is high-density living. So, we look at that and we say, well, you know what, over a 10-year view, that's a space that we might be able to participate in. Now, that doesn't mean that we're going to stop being an office investor, an office developer, because that's our core, uh, but supplementing what we do there with some residential makes some sense to us. So waterfront apartments are where it's at then for the next decade? Look, I think you'll see, particularly in Auckland, and you're seeing this through the unitary plan and through plan changes that the government's trying to introduce, is higher density living. So you'll see it in a city centre context. You'll also see it in the city fringe and in, in I guess, urban, any urban areas. Um, and that's, that's a good idea, right? Because that's where the infrastructure already exists. The idea of uh, sprawling Auckland and what is a really narrow topography doesn't actually make a lot of sense. It's, it's very, very expensive. Um, developing more homes where infrastructure exists makes a lot of sense. I want to understand what bringing these capital partners on board means for precinct longer term, because effectively, if you're taking their investment now, you then also have to share the winnings with them later on. So does this not effectively halve and destroy your net rental income or net sales income if you're selling property in the future? Well, I guess the idea for us is that we actually enhance our return on capital. So we do that by, uh, we still, um, for the for the proportionate share that we might own an asset, we still get paid the rental streams of that of that share of ownership. Um, but we also get paid to manage the asset. So actually we're getting two revenue streams. So there's the rental income and then there's the management income. 
management fee income. So actually what it does is in a marginal sense, uh, increase our return on capital. And ultimately what we're trying to do is um, use less of our balance sheet so that we don't have so much capital invested, um, but increase returns to shareholders. Okay, so residential next, but you still have a lot of office now, including this building is it above us, yes. the Deloitte Centre? Yes. Right, yep. okay, we're in the hotel underneath that right yes. now. Yep. What's happening in office? Are people returning to work? Is occupancy solid? Uh, so in our portfolio, uh, we are full and people are back in the office. Uh, now that really speaks to uh, people's desire to be in and around Commercial Bay here in Auckland. Uh, so if I, if I was to speak to any of our occupiers here, their staff are back in the office. Uh, they like being able to go and get their lunch from Commercial Bay or have a drink on the waterfront, and so they're coming back. Now, that's not to say that businesses are still um, – they still have a, a flexible working policy, so they still might offer for their staff to be home one or two days a week, um, but we are seeing really high levels of physical occupation in our buildings, and the portfolio is fully leased here in Auckland. Which is amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. And I think, you know, in many respects, when we started the whole – process of developing Commercial Bay when you see 10 or 12 years ago, um, you know, we had this uh, ambition to create something that was truly remarkable and that would attract people here and I think we've achieved that. But the economy is struggling. You and I both know businesses are battling. When we spoke about this time last year, you told me that you were pushing up rents, at least on renewed rents, mm. by 16%. Mm. I see that you're still managing to do that. What are you finding on that front? Are people still okay to pay higher rents or are you going to hit a cap at some point given the economic situation? Yeah, look, I th- uh, look we, you can't, it, it would be unrealistic to think that rents are going to keep you know, compounding at, at 10 or 16%. Um, I think what we're seeing at the moment is really high demand from businesses that want to be in this location because it, that enables them to get their staff back in the office. And what they know is that by getting their staff back in the office, they get higher productivity. Um, that That is just a fact. And if you talk to any Anyone that's leading a business now, they have a preference for their staff to be back in the office because they get more out of them. Um, so uh, what we've seen is businesses wanting to be in these types of locations. Um, you, you hear it time and time again. I'm not a fan of the term, but flight to quality is what we're seeing in office markets. Um, now, we will hit a ceiling. We have to. And you know, businesses right now have a focus on cost. Uh, I think the demand that we're seeing over the last you know, 12 to 18 months will likely abate at some stage. Um, and, you know, I can see that happening in the next 12 months. Why do you not like the term flight to quality? It's effectively what's happened to you guys. And isn't it a good thing? Oh, it's a, and it's a, it's a great thing, but everyone uses the term, I guess. <laughs> it's kind of like unprecedented bit over it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Flight to quality. Yeah, it's terrific. It's good for office tickets if you own it. Yeah. Do you ever work from home? No. Don't like it? Just feel like you have to lead by being here? Oh, look. Oh, the, I mean, if you're in a really great office, which we have, um, uh, you want to be in the office. You want to be with your colleagues, and you know you want to have a, a joke and a laugh and a coffee with your with your with your workmates. And and you know, for me, if I'm sitting in the office, I know what's happening. I can hear it. You know, we have an open plan environment. You know, no one has a dedicated desk, but you get a sense of the vibe and you know how motivated people are. And that's it's the only way to run a business in my mind. Speaking of buying a coffee, was downstairs earlier. Tried to buy my cameraman and I coffee at the new restaurant downstairs. Guess how much they tried to charge yeah, no, me? It's expensive. $17, Scott. Yeah, but it's you pay for good quality. I didn't pay for it. I walked down the road and got another one, still with a commercial way instead. Yeah, I mean, look, um, we're really delighted to open the Intercontinental. They are they are true luxury offer, and their level of service and quality is amazing. And um, I know from you know the last three weeks that we've been open, we've had a whole lot of uh, tourists 
leisure visitors staying in the hotel, um, particularly out of the States, and they've had a great experience. So it's really exciting to have that exposure within the business now. Thanks so much for your time, Scott. Always good to chat. Please, thank you. Now, news came out yesterday that Abu Dhabi's Sovereign Wealth Fund is selling out completely from precinct properties. They're selling about a 15% holding in the company for about 262 million New Zealand dollars. It's set to hit the market in March, so keep an eye out for that one. Now go put your money to work. 